Hello friends of the valley, Bobby here. I just wanted to take a moment to talk to you about our online community. You see, our hope with this podcast is to be something more than just another thing to add to your plate. Something more than just another media item to consume. Instead, we want to explore how the physical church and the digital church can interact and be the body of Christ. The mission at Boulder Valley is to build authentic relationships with God and one another, face-to-face and screen-to-screen. And we want to do that together with you. To learn more and join our community, please visit community.bvchristian.org. Thanks. Look forward to seeing you there. All right. You know, the cool thing about Advent We don't have one big worldwide denominational church like I think maybe God wanted. We've got denominations all over the world, but today, the beginning of Advent, you know what happens all around the world today? The church starts talking about Jesus coming all over the world. And I always think that's really cool that all over the world, we're going to start fixing our eyes on this miraculous thing that God did. So I'm really excited about our our, uh, Christmas sermon series. It's called Away in a Manger. And Jesus is away in a manger. He was, he is, right? And so we're going to look at the birth story of Jesus these next four weeks plus Christmas Eve. And we're going to discover together how God made a way. And how when he came, he continues to make a way for you and for me. Because that's what God is always doing. That's what God is in the business of doing. He makes a way. And you know what? He makes a way where there is no way. That's what he does. And do you have that hope in your life? For the things going on in your life, do you have hope that God can make a way where there seems to be no way? Because that's what he's really good at. And that's what we see him do um, at the birth of Jesus, for sure. I want you to think about, has anybody ever thrown a surprise party for you? Some of you have. Some of you have maybe good memories of that. Some of you are a little shy and embarrassed and overwhelmed. Or maybe, maybe you haven't had a surprise party. I've never had a surprise party thrown for me. But I've been to a lot of surprise parties. Have you been to a surprise party? And you've seen what happens at a surprise party. It's this epic kind of thing that goes goes on, right? But what is it that makes a surprise party so special? Well, one, there's the surprise moment, right? (laughs) That makes it real special because something happens that's really unexpected for the person that the surprise party was thrown for. But then for that person who has the surprise party thrown for them, there's the surprise moment, and then in the coming hours and days, what becomes amazing to them? All the work that went in to making the surprise party happen. That's what makes them feel loved. That's what makes them feel honored, cherished, seen, right? Cared about. As they start to realize that somebody put in a lot of work behind the scenes to figure out where is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? Who's going to get there? 
Who's going to tell him to get there? Who's going to get him there? Who's going to shut him up so they don't ruin the surprise? Don't post this on social media, right? All the things. And so when the person that the surprise party was thrown for realizes how much went in, that's actually what makes the person feel so loved and cared about. Because they had no idea. But when they found out the plans that had been done, they felt really loved, right? And here's what the Holy Spirit showed me this week. Jesus' coming is so much just like a surprise party. It is. Never thought about this before. All of the planning that went in behind the scenes long before Jesus ever came. And when we find out not just what God did, but what he did to make it happen, we start to feel like God really cares about us. He sees us. He loves us. He has us in mind when he's doing all of this planning. How do we know that God was planning this so far, far, far in advance? Yeah, well, the scriptures tell us. God gave us prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus' coming. Things that, that the prophets tell us hundreds and hundreds of years before anything happened. That's how we know. So what is prophecy? Some of us maybe are familiar, some of us aren't. Prophecy is simply God telling us in advance what he's going to do before he does it. And it's a little bit in our culture, we have this like predict the future thing. It's not God predicting the future so much. It's even more powerful than that. It's God telling us what the future is going to be because he's telling us what he is going to do. And when God says he is going to do something, it gets done, right? That's the power of prophecy. So where in the Bible does Jesus' birth start getting talked about? I mean, it goes way back in the Old Testament, right? The reality is that the Trinity has been devising the plan for the Messiah's birth since the beginning of time, right? That's how far it goes back. Jesus' coming was not some afterthought, some reaction to something else that happened. It was the plan from the very beginning. And God started working out the plan. And at some point, he's not just working out. Some part, at some point, he starts telling us about it. Right? He starts telling the prophets about it. And they start telling the people about it, what he's going to do. Jesus is a way in the manger, and the way was planned. The way was planned. And that's what I want us to dig into a little bit this morning. So we're going to look at some of these prophecies and what God started to talk about. The first one is Micah 5.2. This is what Micah 5.2 says. Hundreds, hundreds of years before Jesus came. It says, but you, Bethlehem. What's Bethlehem? Bethlehem's a place. It's a city. Is it a big major city in the scriptures? No, it's pretty minuscule. Its claim to fame is that David was born there. King David. All right. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, which was one of the tribes, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. 
So prophecy always has these layers, right? There's all these layers to prophecy. They, they always mean, they usually mean a couple things. So this, this is maybe talking about King David, right? Out of me is going to come a ruler who is going to rule over Israel. But then you run into this phrase, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. The funny thing about Jesus is Jesus is not like you and me. He was fully himself, and then he became a baby. He wasn't conceived and, and born out of like you and me were. He existed since the, from the beginning of time. We're going to talk about that. And all of a sudden, he decided to become a baby because that's what God, God's plan was. And so he is from ancient of times, from origins that are from old. And you just start to wonder, can you imagine reading this for the first time, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and trying to figure out, what does that mean? How is somebody going to come from this tiny little town and rule over Israel who is from ancient of times? Let's go on to Isaiah 7.14. This one gets even more shocking. You try to figure out what this might have meant. You know, prophecy is so clear in hindsight. But boy, when you try to figure out what the original readers were trying to do, trying to figure out what it says, it says, therefore, the Lord himself. I think it's always funny. It it doesn't just say the Lord will give you a sign. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. Now, that must have been a really weird thing to read. (laughs) Because if you know anything about life, you know that that's not ever how it happens. Virgins don't conceive. That's not how it works. But God's going to give a sign. He's going to do something really unusual, strange. How is this going to happen? A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And then it goes on to say, and they will call him Emmanuel which if you know what the word Emmanuel, met, Emmanuel means, it means God with us. This son that is going to be born of a woman who's never had sex with anybody is going to be God with us. Wow. Of course, we see how that happens now, but how is the Lord going to pull that off? Go on to Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. Talking about a child again. This child thing is a big deal. God's plan is to not show up as a, as a person, as a man, as a full-grown person. He's going to show up as a baby, as a child. What a plan. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. It's like it's a gift. He's a gift to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. What does that mean? Eventually that means heaven. And the final government will be on his shoulders. What does that mean now? And it gives him four titles. It says he will be called. This is what he's going to be like. He is going to be a wonderful counselor. And we know Jesus, that's what he is. He is a wonderful counselor. But if you're reading about this child that's coming, all of a sudden, this child all of a sudden has this name, Mighty God. 
This child is going to be called Mighty God. Whoa. And the next one, the same way, Everlasting Father. Not, not Father like mortal, like Everlasting Eternal Father. So the scriptures are really clear. These prophecies, somehow a child is going to come to us and he's going to be God. Right? Incredible. Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Somehow this child who is God is going to come and bring peace to our hearts and eventually peace in heaven for eternity, right? As we put our trust in him. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I want us to look at one more scripture that's not a prophecy, but it's John, Jesus' disciple, kind of trying to put this whole story together in condensed version. It's my favorite passage of Scripture in all the Bible. So John 1 starts out like this. It starts out similar to Genesis, right? We're going to get back to the surprise party. It says, in the beginning was the Word. We find out later in this passage the Word is like code name for Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Now, again, you're in a little bit of a logical hiccup. How can you be with God and be God at the same time? This amazing Trinity, that the Trinity exists, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are together as one. There's a fly coming right there. Um, he was with God in the beginning. So when I say that Jesus existed from the beginning, sometimes it gets a little funny because we call Jesus the Son as if the Son was somehow born out of the Father at the beginning. No, they were all together and, and equal, equally God together at the beginning. What an amazing thing it must have been for Jesus to <laughs> all of a sudden become an infant. What would that have been like? What would it be like for you today to go back and be an infant? How bizarre, even for you. All right, we're going to skip down to verse 9. This is what I want you to see. The true light that gives light to everyone, meaning Jesus, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, he's in the world that he made, right? What an incredible thing. He made the world, and now he is stepping into the world that he was made. And the world threw, threw a party for him because he showed up. Now, the world did not recognize him. This is the, the bizarreness of the story. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Like a painter painting a painting and stepping into the painting and the characters that he's made in the painting don't see him. Don't recognize him as the author and the, and the artist of the painting. And yet, and yet, to those who did, to those who did receive them and believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. God adopts them into his family. This is the story. Have you, have you recognized what Jesus has done and who he is? Have you received him into your heart? 
Have you recognized who he is and what he's done and how much he loves you? Because that's the point of the story. That's God's deepest desire is that you wouldn't be like people who don't recognize him. And I know there's lots of us here who believe and have received him. And there are some of those here who are thinking about it, praying about it, checking it out, pondering it. Good, do that. But the point is that God wants to adopt us back into his family. That's why Jesus came. And so here's, what I, here's what's so strange to me, is that God throws a surprise party that he has been working on for all of time. The surprise party was God's invasion into this earth. He comes, he, he comes and invades with his presence and his person in the flesh. And most people didn't recognize it. But for those who did, he gave them the right to become children of God. Because you see, God makes a way where there is no way. That's what he does. He makes a way where there is no way. Jesus was and is a way in a manger. And what's so clear from the prophets and the prophecies is that the way was planned. Just like a surprise party. The when, the how, the who's going to be there, the how it's going to go down. God planned it all down to the, the tiniest detail. And as we press into the story these next few weeks, we're going to see that over and over. The way was planned. And it's a beautiful plan. Unexpected, but beautiful. And so when we say God made a way where there, is no may, where there is no way, what is it that God made a way for? He made a way for us to see him face to face. God in our form. So we can look at him and we can say, this is what God is like. This is a way that I can understand what God is like. We see him face to face. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He made a way for our sin to be paid for. He made a way for all the things that we've done that we feel guilty and ashamed about, that we can confess that to him and he can forgive us because he chose to die on our behalf, right? And he rose again to show that death will not win in the end. Sometimes in this world, it feels like death is winning. Death will not win. Evil will not win in the end. And Jesus made that real clear with how he lived his life. And finally, he came, he made a way for us to reestablish relationship with him. That is the bottom line of everything God desires. So he wants us to be in intimacy and relationship with him. To, be, to reestablish what was at the very beginning and got messed up by sin. And now Jesus goes, come back to me. Come back to me. And so that's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate this morning. I hope that as you think about this, it puts you in some sense of awe. It puts you in a sense, some sense of wonder, like, wow, that is amazing what God did. And so as we, as we move into a time of worship this morning, will, will that revelation, that understanding, that being in awe of what God did, 
Because what God said he was going to do to the prophets, he did. Always. A little bit from my own story, the reason I love prophecy so much is because I struggled with whether God existed. I struggled with whether Jesus was God in the flesh. And so when I'm in my 20s, I start to ask questions and I start to dig and, and wonder. And these prophecies were a big part of me being convinced that God is who he says he is. That Jesus is who he says he is. Because how else can you explain these dozens and dozens? I mean, we, talk, we looked at three this morning. There's dozens of them. And as you start to look into them, you start to go, God's, he shoot, he's, he's shooting 100%. Every time he says he's going to do something, it's going to go down this way. These, these people are going to be there. It's going to happen in this town. He's going to come from this place. It's going to happen this way. It happens. And in my logical mind, I go, it helped me to become convinced that all this is actually true. That this is the way that it actually is. And so I think that's one reason why God gave us prophecy. Is that if you are struggling with doubt, is God, does God really exist? Is Jesus really who, is who he says he was? I want to challenge you. Over this Christmas season, dig in, press in to these prophecies. Go find out what the other ones are. See where they are, see what God says he's going to do, and then watch how God fulfills it over and over and over because it will increase your faith. And I think that's maybe why God told us in advance what he's going to do. It's because we, when, we, when we watch him do what he said he's going to do, we start to believe more deeply, Right? Maybe the second thing, maybe another reason why God gave us these prophecies, I think he just wants us to see that he is in full control of the grand scheme of life on this planet. He is in full control of how things in the grand scheme play out. He is not taken sideways the way that we think sometimes he's taken sideways. He's not. And so, when we see God doing what he says he's going to do, it helps us to be convinced we can trust him. He is trustworthy. We can trust him with our life. We can trust him with the things that feel so out of control for us. And we can start to put our faith and let, let him take some of those things off of our hands. What God says he will do will be done is what we, what we see. So friends, I, I, hope, I hope this Christmas season that you will allow yourself to once again be surprised. Will you let yourself be surprised at the amazing thing that God did? For me, every year, I, I, I think about what God did and it still amazes me. I can never quite wrap my mind and heart and soul around the the amazing thing that God did when he became a human being, God in the flesh. So be in awe, because that's why we worship him. If we're not in awe, it's pretty hard to worship. But when we're in awe, we're in wonder, we're in amazement at what God is and who he is and what he's done, we can worship. So let's worship. Pray, let's pray together. Lord, I love watching you work. I love watching you predict 
and tell us how things are going to be that seem so outrageous and amazing. And yet you pull it off every time. You make a way where there seems to be no way. And it's so clear as we walk through your story of your birth and all the things that happened, all the people that came, all the stuff that came against you. I am in awe. Would you help us to be in awe and to worship you? You are a God who cares. You are a God who comes close. You are a God who wants to be known. And would you help us to know you? Would you help us to put our trust in you? Even today, would you help us to say, Lord, I trust you. I want you to be the king of my life. We pray in your name, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Valley is a digital ministry of Boulder Valley Christian Church. Please visit community.bvchristian.org to learn more about us or join the community.